Hoagie's Garage. Take two tonight. Take two tonight. Yeah. Going to the other end of the country. We are. I we mean. Can't go much further from one end to the other. Pretty, a little bit, you can go a little further east yet, I guess, but. Yeah. Before we get into that, though, I saw that you took your hot rod tonight. Yep. Took the old pickup tonight. It's nice weather ride in the old pickup. You know, don't have air conditioning or nothing in there. Yeah. What year? What? That's a 69 Chevy Six. Stepside. That thing is sharp. If you, if you ever I call it a really nice 20-footer because I drive it, so it's got some rock chips, and the bicycles have slid down it in the garage, but it's a real sharp 20-footer, I say. Yeah, it's, it's really... Still got the old three on the tree, so she's my anti-theft device because she is wore out. I remember when we would go play fast-fit softball. Tobe and I both played fast-fit softball for years. Tobe was the right fielder, talked the whole time. Not Even the whole if, time. If I gave up a home run, he'd be like, how far are you going to let him hit the next one, bud? <laughs> so, um, but we, but we had fun. We had a blast. We would take that every once in a while to races. Yep. Listen to Steve Earle. Yep. Guitar Town. Yep. Um, and the oh, mirrors. The old cassette. The cassette, cassette player's still in there, but it doesn't work anymore. It did die on me. Oh, but the mirrors, the side yep. mirrors. You yeah, go I don't remember. At night they vibrate. And they shake. <laughs> And that you know, and the lights behind you—you you didn't want to stare at them very long. Yeah, so it'd be Tobe. I'd sit in the middle. Jer would be on the outside. And yep. Jer had to make sure he showed me those lights. So, but yeah, I'm I'm no dummy, Tobe. I remember good things. Remember That's a good the, thing, right there, man. I've had that thing for God. When did I buy that? In eighty-seven or eighty-eight? I think it was. I bought it. So yep. I've, I've had it a while. That's a long time. Repainted it in ninety-one. I think it was. Yeah. Awesome, awesome. But but hey, the show. The show. We better go back. We're doing, we're, we're doing podcasts. That's what we're here for. We're not reminiscing about our old days. Well, it's not bad for them to know well, a little bit about us. No, it's just they don't know too much. Then they might not listen to us anymore. So that's about all that we have. We just told, <laughs> we them, we just told them everything. <laughs> we played softball. <laughs> now we go racing. Uh, but hey, Dominic Salzi. This one could be a lot of fun. Oh, man. I'm so looking he, forward to it. Whenever he's got the microphone, it's it's always fun and entertaining. And... and you know, I've tried, Dom has agreed to be on several times, and seriously, I have the worst luck. I, I don't look at the schedules, I don't, you know, yep. and I reach out to him, and it'll be like, oh man, I raced this week, yep. you know, it, it, it'd be like a Wednesday or Thursday race, I'm, I'm swamped, I'm sorry, and so, so this is, and it's like I said, it's all been on me, because Dom's wanted to be on the show maybe, several different maybe times. Maybe we got to try and find a website that's got all the tracks throughout the country with their schedules for next year. And yeah. then you, you could look at that. Yeah, I'm sure that's <laughs> out there. I'm sure that's out there. It probably is. But. Yeah, that that guy in PA that does all that, Bill somebody, I don't know what his name is, but somebody that does do all that for us. But Dominic Selsey, when we come back, the gonna man. going to be a lot of fun. The man is going to be on. Fulkins Brothers Trucking, complete livestock hauling. A load with us is a load off your mind. Since 1979, call Trim at 800-831-8553. That's Fulkins Brothers Trucking. Um, call Trim at 800-831-8553. And thank you, fellas, for being part of our show. And we're over here at Hoagie's Garage, and we have... You know, I'm kind of been looking forward to this one, yep, Tobe. Absolutely. Um, and it's been a lot of my fault uh, for not having him on sooner because every time I reached out, they were racing in California. So, uh, talk to Dominic Selzy. We got Dominic Selzy on. How you doing tonight, Dom? I'm doing good, guys. I got, just got a, had a nice uh, bubble bath and had my red wine for the night, so I'm ready to gossip with the girls. <laughs> well, I'm glad you've had some red wine because now this might get interesting. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, family, uh, new little one? Yeah, I mean, I'm telling you what, uh, my life has changed drastically over the last, I'd say, probably two years. Um, got to a point there in 20, oh my God, 2019, that. Uh, you know, I was flying back and forth every weekend, you know, because I was racing in the Midwest with the Outlaws and the All-Stars and hauling ass home and got to a point there at the end of 2019 and, and kind of decided, hey, you know what, you know, let's let's really build our team and, and be ready to race locally. It's time to come home. It was time to come home and work full time at the business and being away, it was just too hard. So 
for 2020, we had every intention of sticking around home and, uh, and just racing locally. And then obviously, um, COVID hits and ruined everything. I mean, we went from, I mean, we, I think I had 90 races on the schedule and the majority of them were going to be in California to, I mean, shit, we stopped that second week of, of, uh, March and didn't race again until whenever that, uh, it, what felt like a, a, a bootleggers race at Knoxville with the outlaws that it was all hush hush and stuff. So we, we ended up traveling that year and then, uh, found out right at the end of the year that my girlfriend and I were expecting our first baby. So now I'm a dad. And uh, I just changed jobs from our family business that I'd worked there for seven years to um, uh, my, my mom's transportation company now. So I'm doing something a little bit different. And uh, yeah, I, I used to be a male model when I was younger, but uh, it was just too hard to go to Europe um, in the winters and, and, and make all that work. But now I'm just uh, now I'm just a beer drinker. The, the, jet, <laughs> the jet lag and stuff on them trips to Europe is a bummer all the time, I'm sure. That's exactly right. I'll tell you what, the shrinkage factor of flying that much is it's impressive. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to think who was the Australian we had on that oh it was James McFadden um, well that's your first problem <laughs> but he said it took him forever to fly over to the United States you know he's trying to get there with COVID he's trying to get over here you know they can't do anything in Australia um, and then uh, you know he lands somewhere in the United States it's still pretty protected and then he gets to Knoxville, and he goes, okay, this is really bad. What's the bar right across the Dingus. street? Dingus. Dingus. And goes in there, and there's not a single person that has a mask on. And he goes, yeah. oh, man, this is great. <laughs> you know it's crazy? Like, I, I tell the story about that 2020 year all the time because I think it's something, like, as terrible as all this COVID shit's been, and I'm so glad that, you know, I mean, I think – every normal person's over it now. I mean, just the, just the special ones are still, you know, trying to grasp and hold on to it. But, you know, I mean, I, I was amazed we raced in Knoxville and I don't know. I mean, obviously I'm sure you guys weren't there because they didn't allow any fans, any spectators. Yep. They capped the teams to, I want to say it was four, per, four people per car. So my brother and I both raced and, and how it worked was they called us on like a, a Sunday night. I get a text message. Like it was like a you up text from Mike Hess. And I'm like, why, why is Mike Hess texting me at 9 o'clock on a Sunday? He calls me up and goes, hey, listen, you're my second phone call tonight. We're going to put a race on in Knoxville this Friday night. It's going to be – we're going to announce it, I think, on Tuesday. We're going to post the invitation, but we already know everyone that's going. Uh, you know, it's only going to be four people a car. It's this, that, and the other. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? Like, are we sneaking beer into a high school party? Like, it was, it was the weirdest thing in the world. So we decide – Monday morning, all right, we're doing this. We, Our cars were ready to go. So we borrowed a trailer from Roth. We had my trailer. We took my car and a, and a second car for my brother because my brother was, I think, in between rides at that point in time. And uh, we rolled back there, and everyone had to be 10 feet apart in line. Even if you were together, you had to stay in your truck all the way till you got into the, the racetrack. Everyone had to wear a mask. There was no driver's meeting. So – when I mean no drivers meeting, I mean Mike has talked over the PA system with not a single person in the grandstands. It looked like a test day, like, you know, Wednesday night yep. test day at Knoxville, but we were racing. It was the most eerie thing in the world. So we ran there on a Friday, and Friday night after the races, I'm getting text messages from, uh, I think it was Reitzel and, and Josh Boffman, and they're like, hey, you want to come to to Lubbock, Texas on Tuesday and Wednesday? We're going to put a, a 360 race on. I'm like, fuck, okay. So we go there. There's nobody in the stands, no meeting, can't leave your pit and all this stuff. We go from there on Tuesday and Wednesday, drive all night Thursday to get to Florida for a USCS show. And I don't even know where the hell we were at. We were, I mean, we were in the sticks. And it's a sold-out crowd. Nobody even knows how to spell mask. And there's 40-some <laughs> cars in the pits, and everybody's drinking out of one beer can. I mean, it was insane. <laughs> Why, how things so change that, from one part to the next, right? In, in short. <laughs> oh, man, you bet. Uh, let's see. <laughs> I got to look back at my sheet here. Um, so tell us how you kind of started into racing. Um, I think I, I creeped on you a little bit today and found out you kind of started with go-karts and kind of worked your way up. Yeah. So, um, the year I was, well, actually, uh, because we got all the time in the world, I'll, I'll just keep jabber John around. So I guess how this played out was my, my dad and my uncles, my two uncles had started a family business right out of high school. They were building, uh, 
um, flatbeds and stuff for like Datsun pickups or those mini Toyota pickups. And, and slowly throughout the years, it had grown and grown and grown, you know, and I mean, through all the growing pains, my, my grandma and grandpa were, uh, uh, I mean, painfully middle-class. I mean, I'm talking just skating by to, to, you know, make things happen. And I mean, very, very humble beginnings. They're, they're both of my grandparents were children of immigrants from Italy. So, I mean, they, they got the full experience of having to figure life out and, um, they did a great job with their three boys and raised them to be smart, uh, wild ones that, uh, you know, just have a knack for, for building things with their hands. So they started that business right out of high school and, uh, throughout the, however many years from that point on till, uh, 96, it had slowly grown and slowly grown and slowly grown. Well, my dad gets the call. Blaine Johnson passes away in 96. My dad goes to the funeral and, um, you know, cause he was friends with the Johnson family. He gets a call about two weeks later from Alan Johnson asking if he wants to run the full NHRA championship next year for top fuel. My dad has never driven a top fuel car in his life. My mom finds out she's pregnant with me the same week. And they're basically called a team or a a family meeting. I call it a team meeting, a family meeting, sat everybody down and said, all right, this is my one chance to live out my dream. He was 38 years old or no, I'm sorry, 35 years old, something like that to where he, I mean, it was unheard of to be that old and, and, and become a pro. Yeah. He goes, I could end up as a vegetable. I could end up dead. I could be fine. Goes, but this is going to be my only shot. Nobody's given me a chance. I've knocked on every door. I've done everything that it takes to, you know, hopefully become a champion. And this is going to be my only chance. And my mom goes, well, I'm all in, you know, I, it, I, we'll figure the baby thing out. My grandma and grandpa were all in. My uncle was all in. Everybody was all in. And uh, so we called him back and, and said, hey, I, I want to uh, I want to do this. And I got to go ahead to the All right. He flew him out to um, Winston-Salem to sit with uh, the head guy at R.J. Reynolds Tobacco Company, inked a deal that day and, uh, you know, ended up being a racer in 1997. Well, I was born in 1997. So I've never known anything but racing but in my racing, whole life. Right. Um, you know, I always thought drag racing was really cool as a young kid. But I had an infatuation with dirt. I mean, I would fucking muddy myself up so bad that my mom would just throw my clothes away. And, uh, you know, no matter what, if it was a drag car or a NASCAR or anything like that, I just, that's what I did. So I think I was about four years old. And uh, now we're getting, I'm showing my age. Danny Lasoski and my dad are very close friends. And so Danny at the time was doing celebrity uh, modified races in Sedalia, Missouri during the outlaw race every year. That was uh, I want to say it was for the Michael Ross Foundation. So we fly in there. I think we were racing in, in St. Louis with NHRA. So I'm four years old. Uh, the Coletta family flies like it's a bunch of drag racers and us. Flies us in. My dad races a modified. I'm pretty sure he got the two-spin rule and hot laps. But it's the first time I ever saw a sprint car. And I absolutely fell in love, head over heels, Never wanted to do anything else. Never wanted to drive anything else. Never gave a shit about anything else. Always admired other racing. Never cared much about it. I mean, I was a sprint car guy through and through. So that Christmas, I had already had a a dirt bike, and I wrecked that thing more than I was upright on it. So for Christmas, before I turned five, I ended up getting a go-kart. And my dad was always home on Wednesdays because, you know, they raced Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Monday would always be press stuff. He'd have to leave on Thursday. So... You know, he'd get home Monday night or Tuesday morning, and Wednesdays was my early day from school. He'd always pick me up with his truck. He'd have a go-kart in the back, and that's what we did. That was my really my only time I ever got with my dad growing up. So it was uh, that or, or going to the races with, with him and my mom. But um, that was so special because it was the only time I really got with my dad, and, and we bonded over racing. And, and he wasn't like one of those um, you know, dads that's like, come on, Timmy, like you're doing a great job, you know, do your best. It was, Hey, here's the track record. And we're going to be here until the lights go out. You need to be within three tenths of this track record. Uh, okay. So then we, we would practice and practice and practice and literally practice till the lights went out at the racetrack. And then we drive home and, you know, Thursday morning he'd fly off and I'd go to school and all this stuff. And we did that for a year. Well, now that I'm six years old, I'm able to race. I went out and I ran go-karts at the local kid cart, uh, go-kart club race or whatever it was. There were seven races and we won every single race. And with every weekend, I mean, I loved it already, but with every weekend, my love grew and grew and grew and grew and grew. So at this point in time, now we've got December, you know, 
my dad and John Force and Ron Caps are all trying to raise money because the go-kart track's shut down. They're trying to build another one. Everything was in limbo with go-karts. So we met, who is one of the, to me, one of the most successful sprint car drivers in California that gets no recognition, Monty Ficino. Yep. He's the dad of Michael Ficino and Mitchell Ficino, yep. the uncle to Carson and Cole Macedo. Um, so that's how small the family that is. And uh, we bought a junior sprint from him. So we created this relationship with the Ficino family, got me into junior sprints, and then from there up to the micro sprints and always had this close connection with the Ficino family. And, um, you know, it, it, Michael Ficino actually drove my dad's um, USAC national midget, West, Western States midget, when he was 16 years old for, I think, two years until we shut the program down. But um, that's kind of how I got into racing. And honestly, I've never wanted to do anything else. I, I had an opportunity to race um, pavement late models when I was 16 years old. And I told the guy to pound sand. And I just, I have no interest in anything but racing sprint cars. The sprint cars is where my love's at. And, um I'm going to retire as a sprint car driver. That I'm not going to you know, do anything else. I'm a sprint car guy through and through. Perfect. That's awesome. That's awesome. So what are some of your biggest moments, wins, or memories of, of your sprint car racing? Man, I, I'll tell you what. I've, uh, I've been so lucky over the last, I want to say, probably four or five years. I, that, you know, I, I've traveled a lot with the Outlaws and the All-Stars and, and, and got such a, a lesson. And, you know, I think for me, my journey was a little bit different than, you know, let's say my brothers or, or you know, a lot of other guys. Is We had the family funding. I mean, we had very good family funding, but we had to build the team ourselves. And we didn't really have any guidance. We were hiring a guy on a whim and a will, and we were getting guys, a lot of guys in between jobs or guys that, you know, maybe had been retired or not raced very much, and then they had an opening, and we'd bring them out and try and help. And, and my brother and I, we, we learned so much from so many different people. Um, it, it was, it was a long process. And, and I would say probably about the end of 2015, I was racing for the NARC championship with, between Cars Macedo and bike skating. And I ended up breaking my back into Larry, which kind of forfeit the championship. And I, I got an amazing opportunity from Danny and George Lasowski. They said, Hey, you know what? I got a car here and it's missing an engine and a seat. How about you come out here, build this thing right when I got cleared to come back to drive, he goes, why don't you come out here, spend the week before building this thing, get it ready to go. And we'll take our truck and trailer down to I-80 for the NSL finale. And we'll race you in the Midwest. At the time, I, I mean, I had maybe driven one other car, two other cars other than my family. So we did it, packed up a dually and me and my buddy Kyle, we drove all the way back there, built this car, got it together. I mean, it was sleepless nights and all the, all the fun stuff you hear about from the older days. And, uh, and we went out and we did it. And, uh, I think I ran, you know, somewhere in the top 10, the first night, but I podium that, that final night, Tim Caden came from, I want to say 16th and one Steve Kinzer was second and I ran third. And I remember thinking this, this may like, it's, it wasn't a win. This is something nobody's going to remember, but me, but it was so special to go back to a place. I'd never been on a half mile before. Um, you know, I'd never driven the car before. I, I never worked with Danny. Um, and, we had success right off the bat. So I felt like that point in time is one of my biggest accomplishments, just going back there and going, you know what? I have what it takes. I can do this. You know, I'm going to obviously have to invest a lot of time and effort into this to make it successful, but I'm going to do it. And, and, you know, I look at that, that was 2015. I'm looking now seven years later, um, you know, the, the only boys and girls club dirt classic in California. We won that at Calistoga. We won the final um, world challenge in, in uh, Knoxville for the Knoxville Nationals to get myself into the my first Knoxville Nationals. We've won the Dirt Cup. We've won the Peter Murphy Classic twice. We've been NARC champions, the Johnny Key. There's been so many big races over here over the last really three years that I, I don't know if I have a, a, a favorite moment of all of them. I mean, so many of them are incredible. But I think I look back to that one moment in 2015, you know, sitting on the podium of a race that nobody remembers and thinking, this is absolutely what I want to do and whatever it takes, I want to do it. And, um, I've been so thankful to, you know, not had the success like a guy like Kyle Larson or Christopher Bell. And, you know, by no means am I an outlaw, but I've got an education that I could have never dreamed of racing. And, and I look at every moment along the way, every hardship, every success has driven me to be, you know, a better 
better person, a better, um, you know, person, whether it come to business or management or, or, um, you know, growth. And, and I look at my life now and I, I owe everything to motorsports and I owe everything to the sprint car world. So I guess if I had to put one moment, it would be a third place run that, uh, probably nobody remembers. Perfect. Well, that's <laughs> hey, all that matters. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you remember it and you know, that's, that's what started your career. So that, that's pretty awesome. Right. We're going to take our first quick break here, Dominic, so Bud can do some computer crap over here that I don't understand, and then we'll be right back. Is that all right? Absolutely. All right, we're back at Hoagie's Garage. And this is one question I have to ask, because it seems like I've seen you win more bacon than anybody (laughs) else. So how much bacon have you won over the years? (laughs) Honestly, I wish I could have kept track. I think uh, the NARC series started that in like 2017 or something while I was still racing out in the Midwest. And I mean, throughout my entire 11 years of racing sprint cars, I never ran more than maybe 30 NARC sprint car races until 2019 when I really started running with the series a lot. But I always wanted to get back home and race the races in like October and November because you get bacon if you win the damn dash. And, uh, 2019 i think we won four or five dashes and i want to say it's uh it was six pounds of bacon every time so i'm not too good at math but that's uh that's pretty good there and then in 2020 um covid obviously ruined that year for the narc series but then 2021 i think we won three dashes this year we've won three dashes so i'm telling you i've probably gotten over 50 pounds of bacon here the last three years four years and uh, it has not gone to waste. The Sunny Valley is the best bacon. I don't know if you guys get it back there, but it's thick-cut bacon. They've got maple bacon. They've got cherrywood smoke. They've got uh, shit. Every, I mean, every kind you could think of. But my favorite, and believe it or not, I, like, I love spicy, but it's not spicy. Is they got a jalapeno bacon. And when you cook this shit, it burns everything on your face. It just singes your face. You're crying. You're snotting. It's like you ate a jalapeno raw. And it's got no zip to it at all. It's just got the flavor. Oh, my God. I'm telling you, you got that and you get some chocolate chip pancakes going in the morning. And, boy, I'm telling you what, you better look out. Nothing's going to stop me from getting to my breakfast. You can't go wrong with bacon. <laughs> Absolutely not. And, you know, I don't know if you guys have seen any uh, mug shots of me, but I'm not built like my brother brother or buddy Kofoid. I, no, I'm, no. I'm built like a husky boy who knows where to find all the beer and all the food. And, and I'm damn good at it. My God, I don't miss many meals, and, and when I do, I make up for it on the next one. So I've, every ounce of that bacon has been eaten, I promise you. <laughs> no, no, not, not that you actually would remember, but we actually, I talked to you one time a couple of years ago up at Houston's when you were there with the Outlaws. I had to apologize because I ran into you too hard with my push truck, and I felt bad, and I knew my dad would be mad if I didn't apologize because he was always fussy that way. <laughs> oh, that happens. It, you know, I always say when I have my helmet on, it's it's I'm, I'm never the same person as I, as I am when I got my helmet off. I'm I am uh, very outgoing. Uh, I honestly couldn't think of a single person I, I don't dis I don't like or you know I I don't think I couldn't think of anybody I have a problem with. But when I have my helmet on, I hate everybody. Um, so if I was an asshole, I apologize. But that's uh, no no. You were really nice about it. I, I talked to oh. you the following night. I did it oh, like okay. on Friday night, and I found you Saturday to apologize. So, no, you didn't <laughs> oh, say nothing to me. It ain't oh, like good. I you bent the push bumper or nothing. It's just I hit you harder than I like to. I got you. I got you. Oh. But, so anyway, like you were talking over the last couple of years, you've had a lot of success. Is there something that changed on the team, or what, what do you think made the difference? I'll tell you what. There, there's one common denom- denominator that I go back to uh, that is the catalyst of in my opinion, all the success that we've had, and that's Jimmy Carr. Um, you know, Jimmy ran TSR for 20 years, 21 years, and um, I feel he was a lot bigger part of the success there than a lot of people gave him credit for, especially there at the end. And, um, you know, when he decided he was going to retire, he was going to move to Lake Havasu with his wife, and he was going to sail off into the sunset. Didn't need to race, didn't need a job. Didn't need really any of it, but him and my dad have been friends for a long time. And him and I, you know, over the years had become friends. And, um, you know, before I ever even knew he was looking for a job, we were, we would always keep our truck and trailer at TSR and Indy. And we got absolutely shit faced on Haradura tequila and dark chocolate coffee beans. And uh, 
we were sitting in the back of my truck just drinking and eating chocolate coffee beans. And uh, somewhere between shot number six and shot number 12, um, I had a come to Jesus moment. I was like, you know, man, my career's just not been what I had hoped or wanted or anything like that. And, I, you know, I, I always guess I just felt I felt like I was better than what I ever showed I was. You know, I, I felt like, um, you know, the, year, the years and the racing that I did with the Outlaws, I'd always hoped for more. And he's like, well, it takes an army to be successful because you can't just do it alone. You can't just do it with a, a good team. You can't just do it with, you know, good equipment. It's got everything has to be in sync. He goes, it, it, it's not as easy as anyone makes it out to be. He goes, it takes a long time. And we kind of had this heart to heart there. You know, it, it really, it meant a lot to me at the time because this guy's won, I don't know how many championships as not only a crew chief, but a, a team manager. He's won the Knoxville Nationals four times as a crew chief and another shit seven times as a as a team manager. And this guy has has done it all. He, he doesn't need to tell me anything. And, uh, you know, we found out he was looking and, and my dad and I kind of just approached him like, hey, Havasu and Fresno are only about six hours apart. You could get a flight there if you need to. You can drive whenever you want how about you just come live at Fresno for a few years and whenever you're done racing, then we'll, we'll call it quits then. And, uh, somehow we talked him into it. He came in to, in my opinion, a, a race team that was sort of in shambles. Me and, um, a buddy of mine, Brandon, who had been with me for a long time. We did it on our own in 2019. And I mean, I'm talking no help. It was us. And, uh, you know, Bernie Stugin and Indy race parts would help us out when he could, you know, I had some help from, Masoski for a couple nights. I had some just some in and out help, but it was really the two of us, and we just went out and did it. Um, Jimmy took everything we had. He didn't buy anything new. He didn't change anything. He said, "We're going to start here, and we're going to see where we go." And uh, we got about halfway through the year, and we had had some up nights and some down nights, and we kind of had a, a team meeting and said, "Okay, wh- what do we need to do to be better?" Because obviously, you know, our results are not—they weren't getting any better. Um, they, we, they pretty much stayed the same and. And uh, Jimmy said, all right, well, if you guys are ready to, to do this thing right, we need to change frame manufacturers and we need to change in engine builders because these are the two complaints that Dominic has every single night. And these are the two walls that I have not been able to overcome, these two problems. And so my dad goes, well, can't buy you any motors right now, but we'll buy one car. So we bought a, a Maxim, put this Maxim together first night out, went eighth to second with – I don't even know what series it was, but Rico Abreu won, and we, and we went green to checkered, and we ran him down, and damn near got by him. The next night at Knoxville, we ran fifth, and uh, I think that started the all-star swing, which we ran in the top five, I want to say, every single night. Damn near won the Houston's reopening, and uh, it changed our whole program. But our qualifying still wasn't there. So we got to the end of the year. Obviously, our program got way better from you know since going to the maximum, so kind of sat down again. All right, where do we need to – be to get better and jimmy goes engines well my dad didn't want to hear it didn't agree with that and that's something that i had been kind of saying as well as i you know i felt like our, our engines were just a little bit outdated um engine builder was great but our i just felt like our engine program you know was not where it needed to be we had you know six six year old engines that um you know i just i didn't feel like were where they needed to be so we talked to paul kissler into sending us a house engine put it in the car and went and tested two identical maxims in every way, same shocks, same bars, same turns in them, same everything, same wings, you name it. And went out there and we do five laps in one car, jump out and do five laps in the other car. And, um, I, I, I obviously felt way different in the one with the, the Kistler in it came in and every single session I was between three tenths and five tenths on average faster in the car with the, new engine that we were borrowing compared to what we had so my dad goes well i'm not ready to buy one <laughs> so we went to that race there and uh what was that thing called the wild west shootout in arizona yep something like that so yep. we went down there with this borrowed engine and pretty much decided me and jimmy decided we're gonna live and die by this we're gonna go take this thing down there whether he wants us to or not and we're gonna run this thing we were fastest in practice went out late every night and qualified i think seventh every single night and, you know, 30-some cars, which was great for the track falling off and where we went out and everything like that. Won all three of our heat races. Um, I think we ran in, we ran eighth the first night, started sixth and ran eighth, and, and we just kind of missed it. The next night we started sixth and ran sixth, and we were 
better. And the next night we started fourth and ran second, damn near past Tony there with a two or three to go, and damn near won the race. And my dad, Sunday night, driving back to the hotel, he goes, call Paul tomorrow morning and order us an engine. We got to get one of those. And <laughs> that alone, I mean, between Jimmy changing cars, changing engines, and building a package around me, I, I've never been happier with my equipment, and I've never been more competitive in my life. Never could have dreamed of being as competitive as we've been the last two years. Well, you were talking three to five tenths. You know, in qualifying, three tenths is the difference from pole to 25th on some of them nights with the, the competition so close now. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I'm, I've never been a good qualifier. I never, would never be somebody to tell you that I am a good qualifier. But I watched my qualifying go from, okay, I'm, you know, 10th to 16th quick on average. And then the following year, I was 12th to 18th. Then year three comes around, and I was, you know, 18th to 25th. And I'm like, man, I, I'm getting better as a driver, and I'm getting worse in qualifying. And, uh, you know, then, then when we got the Kissler, I went quick time. Well, actually, what got us on the Kissler kick, Jimmy has obviously had a race relationship with Paul, but when I drove the 83 car out here on the West Coast, I had a Kissler in it, and I, I went quick time like three, four times, felt like I raced really good, never complained about it, spinning tires, but damn, these motors are like six, seven years old, and I love them. Like, I love everything about them. So that kind of got us on the kick, and then when we put them in our car, we went quick time, I think, four times last year been quick time four times this year we've raced you know a lot less 410 races because of the tire shortage but i mean our qualifying has tremendously gotten better especially in the spring with the outlaws so um i, I mean to me you have to have every advantage especially when you got a little bit bigger of a driver in there um i couldn't be happier with our, our from our shocks to our chassis to my team to our engines i feel like we've got a package that's more than capable of winning any race in the United States. I, I feel like it's all in my hands now, which which is exactly where I want it. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, another little thing here. I told you I was I creeped on you a little bit today, and I watched the YouTube video, and you're kind of showing your shop, and uh, Donnie Shots, I think, was in there, and you're walking around with a taco the whole time. What What's the deal with the tacos in you? Honest to God, I couldn't even tell you. I it was uh, I know it was before those four nights. It was like the Redeem race, and then we went to Burlington and Knoxville, and then they had a Houston's reopener. So we ran the Redeem race, and I mean, I was happy. I think we ran third or fourth behind, like Carrie Madsen won, or maybe Larson won, and then my brother was right up there too. So I think I ran behind those three guys and ran fourth, and. Uh, got to the hotel, started drinking some beer, and, and I tweeted something like, if I win one of these all-star races this week, I'm getting a taco truck at the Knoxville Nationals. Like a California taco truck. It's going to be real Mexican food. And I wake up the next morning, and I have like a 1,000 likes, 180 retweets. I've got like 300 mentions. I'm like, what the fuck did I say yesterday? That's got every, I mean, am I getting canceled? This is what's going on here. And I, and I look, and everyone's like oh yeah we want a taco truck and blah blah, blah and all this shit and it's like all right well i guess that was a fan favorite so <laughs> i called my or actually my t-shirt guy I had a missed call from this is like 8 30 in the morning he's like dude we gotta do taco truck shirts i'm like get the fuck out of here we're not doing taco truck shirts come on now like I, i'm a i'm a race car driver we're not gonna put taco he goes i'm telling you I said all right whatever just do do a couple hundred of them or whatever so he prints these things out and hauls ass and sends these things to me. And so we run those four nights. The final night I run second to Elias. And to this day, I regret not winning that race. I should have won it. I didn't. And I, after that fourth night, I was getting all these people saying, we'll sponsor a taco truck. We'll, we'll chip in for a taco truck. All this shit. Well, Monday I'm getting calls from um, who the hell was running Knoxville at the time. Um, was it Kendra Jacobs? She calls me and she goes, Dominic, we got to find a taco truck. Like, are you kidding me? Are Knoxville Raceways getting behind this now? So I get these t-shirts in for like the following weekend, which was 360 Nationals, sold entirely out of them, all of them. So I'm like, send me triple and print them out tomorrow. So they sent them all. I sold more merchandise the week of the 316 410 Nationals than I ever have in my entire life. And on top of it all, I made the damn Knoxville Nationals for the second year in a row. And on Saturday night, I had not a single piece of merchandise left 
it was insane. So after one drunk tweet, it, I sold more shirts than I ever have from winning any race or any controversy or anything like that from a dumb drunken tweet. <laughs> it's going to lead you to drink more. Yeah, well, I mean, I, my mom didn't raise a quitter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a great story, oh. though. Hey, we're going to take one more quick break, and then we'll come back with some rapid-fire questions. You got it. like to thank Octane Inc. from T, South Dakota. They pretty much do a little bit of everything. They are known for their wraps. They wrap golf carts, uh, snowmobiles, um, trailers, sprint cars, hobby stocks. It doesn't matter. Uh, Side by sides, they wrap it. Uh, They also do coolers. And they will also do clothing. You can have t-shirts made there. Um, you name it, these guys can do it. I work with Brett uh, Vanderbrink all the time. He is amazing, and I can't thank him enough for how much he helps me. And if I were you guys, I would definitely check out Octane Inc. You can contact them by calling 605-213-8343. It is 800 East Prescott in T, South Dakota. And again, they're just great people to work with. All right, we're back again at the garage with Dominic. Um, the question we've been asking as of lately, does the, the number on your car, does that mean anything or is that just a random number you picked out? Yeah, so that, that actually does. My, my, uh, my go-kart number was 27. And that's to this day my favorite number. And just so happens my fiance's favorite number is 27. So that works out. I've always said that before I... You know, hang my helmet up. I want to. I want to have a sprint car number twenty-seven. Um, you know, hopefully one day that can happen. I can talk my family into letting that happen. But uh, where forty-one came from was when we we had a USAC national midget that Michael Vicino drove. Um, you have to buy your national number. I don't know if that's still the case with the USAC, but you always used to. So he goes, "Okay, I want to be number one." Uh, well, Swindell had that. Okay, well, I want to be number seven, which is my mom's favorite number. Oh uh, no, that one's bought. Okay, well, how about 17? Oh, nope, that one's bought. Okay, how about 71? Nope, Keith Coons has that one. Okay, well, shit, we've struck out on four numbers. So he goes, okay, well, how about number four? Number four looks good. That was the number that the Facinos had always been, number one and number four. So number four was taken. He goes, well, are you kidding me? How about 14? 14 was taken. (laughs) And where 14 came from was, he's like, I was number one four times. That number was taken. He goes, well, shit, 41? I don't know. Like, I'm going to start throwing shit out there. So 41, four times being number one. Sure as shit, 41 was available. He bought 41. (laughs) And from that point on, from like 2005 on, all of our race cars were number 41. Oh, that's (laughs) awesome. (laughs) So it kind of just was like the only thing available. Yeah. Yeah. Worked out. Yeah. Honestly, I'm happy with it. It's a... It's a really neat number, and, uh, you know, it's funny. I, uh, Jason, Jason Johnson, I got to race with him, you know, when he was on the Outlaw Tour, and I, I really got to race with him and, uh, you know, kind of build a relationship with him when we would be down in Australia together, um, you know, racing with the World Series or racing the big races down there. And, um, I'd always make fun of him for wearing jean shorts, and um, I, I would always tell him, I said, dude, I've been running with the Outlaws in California for, like, five years now, and just when I'm getting ready to travel, you decide to go do the outlaw tour. And I got to put a damn letter on my 41 car. And uh, sure as shit, you know, that's what I had to run. And still to this day, I've got to have a letter on my damn car when I'm at, <laughs> ever I'm at an outlaw race. So um, I, I always, uh, you know, thought that was pretty funny that, you know, Jason and I, we shared a number. And, and uh, you know, he was really the only other 41 car I could even remember. And, uh, you know, still to this day, the, the 41 has, has done very well with the Jason Johnson camp. And, um, I guess if I got to share a number with a team, I'm glad it's a, as fast as a team like that. Yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely. That's a good number to share. So um, we like to get it out. I mean, so you can mention it, but who are the sponsors on your car? They like to have their names out there too. No, absolutely. Um, you know, we've got a lot of great partners and, you know, we don't really have any new people. We've got people that have been with us for, my gosh, since the micro sprint days. I, you know, I look at, you know, my family business sells the enterprises, Red Rose Transportation, the, you know, those two, uh, my mom and, and uh, my mom's business and then my, my dad and my uncle's business, both those two have been obviously supporters from the very beginning. And, uh, you know, you look at Whipple Superchargers, 
Opal Supercharges is known all over. I mean, they, they supercharge, I, I want to say every Mustang that comes off the, the showroom floor with, uh, with all the Fords. And, uh, I mean, they're, they're done stuff for David Growler, done, do stuff for everybody all around the world. So, uh, Art Whipple has been a supporter of ours for over 10 years now. Um, Napa Auto Parts here locally has helped us out tremendously. Um, Sparco, Redline Oil, and k we kind of all got together with them, I want to say 2006 or 2007, all around the same time. And those three sponsors have been so loyal to us, whether it be you know product or needing something right away or, or whatever it may be. Redline, K&N, and Sparco, those three guys have been with us through every up and down. They've been supporters of us since before you know, my brother and I ever had a name in, in the dirt racing world. And, uh, you know, really just some great people. And then I'm sure I'm forgetting somebody, but, but last and uh, definitely not least would be um, uh, Todd Jorgensen. He, he's, uh, his grandfather was Jorgensen Steel, the Jorgensen Eel Steel IndyCar. I'm sure you guys remember that thing. Um, <laughs> he has been a supporter. He, he came to a race one night with this guy that, oh, I'm going to spend all this money and help you guys out. And you got some dopey dude smoking a cigarette and, you know, just kept talking and talking. I'm like, who is this guy? Well, shit, the next week he shows up, next week he shows up, next week he shows up. The the big money guy never even gave us any money. This guy gave us the money. And he he came, he's been to nearly every single race over the last 10 years, and he's grown into truly one of our family's best friends and one of my closest friends that I'm, I'm so thankful for the guy every single day. He's just a truly a special person and when he's not at the races it's nowhere near as fun so you know todd jorgensen is uh is somebody who i'm sure he'll probably hear this because he listens to every podcast on the world when it comes to racing but uh, he's just a he's a special guy he's somebody i'm thankful that my path in life has crossed paths with his so he's uh he's somebody that supported me from the beginning of sprint car racing and that guy's not going anywhere he's not going anywhere until he's in a casket (laughs) <laughs> racing families you gotta love them don't you absolutely but hey uh let's let's get to some rapid fire questions here and then we'll let you go um what's your favorite kind of ice cream chocolate chip cookie dough uh you a cat person or a dog person dog person through and through any hobbies uh actually two this is going to be a little bit long-winded but i absolutely love eating food everybody knows that but I collect wristwatches, and I've done that for, shit, about seven years now, and I am an absolute watch freak. So any watch fan out there, don't be afraid to start talking watches with me because I love wristwatches. So how many do you have? Oh, shit. I mean, I, I, might, have, I might have 15 of them, and I've got stuff that ranges from – I've got a $6 Casio. Uh, I got Seiko's. I, I have a couple Rolex. I mean, I have – I mean, you name it, I've had it, or I, I do have it, or did have it, or whatever, but I, I absolutely love them. I, I've always been obsessed with my dad. My dad wore Datejust forever, and I've always been obsessed with his Datejust. I put it on as a kid, and I loved the clankiness of it, and I from that point on in life, I never realized it, but I was a watch guy, and I just, I love watches. I love that they're, uh, to me, it's it's very much like old cars, or old race cars, and stuff like that. It's, yep. you know, there, there might be a lot of different watches, but every watch has a different story and then every reference number is slightly different. And there might be even the same reference number, but different times in the, the allocation that the earlier models might be different than the later models. So I'm, I mean, I'm a freak nerd when it comes to that kind of stuff, but something changed uh, in the build process. So my wife is a nurse practitioner up at, up by Sioux Falls, South Dakota, but uh, her doc, the one that she works with Dr. Jones he is a watch freak also. So You're kidding me. No. So he would he would totally relate to everything you just said. So I know he <laughs> oh, has Rolexes. Man. I know he has he has all kinds of watches. So yeah, well I'll tell you what, next time I'm up there in North Dakota or South Dakota, you better tell him to come to the races because I will talk that man's ear off. <laughs> all right. I'll do that. Because he maybe that's a common thing. He loves to talk also. <laughs> That's why it's perfect. Yeah, if you like watches, you gotta have to like talk. You might miss a race if you start talking to him. (laughs) Anyhow. (laughs) Do you you have a favorite movie? Oh, man. You know what? It's hard to beat um, Days of Thunder. It's really hard to beat Days of Thunder. Um, I love The Accountant. 
Have you guys ever seen The Accountant? Yep, yep, yep. good movie. I love The Accountant. Um, is it Catch Me If You Can? Is that the one where the kid does all the fraudulent stuff with Pan Am? Uh, I, I think I I think you're right, but I wouldn't dare, I, I wouldn't bet any money on it. Right. Well, I, I think I think it's Catch Me If You Can. I love Catch Me If You Can and Tombstone. Those yep. four movies there, I could watch them on repeat. And uh, my God, with Tombstone, I damn near know every word. <laughs> and I guess to throw in a lucky number five, because you know, fuck rules, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I love Waterboy. I could damn near recite every single word of Waterboy. <laughs> That's a classic, also. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Um, are you, I don't know how much snow you get out there, but are you a snow or rain guy? I couldn't even tell you what snow looks like. Yeah. Well, <laughs> when we uh, talk, you know I, fall is my favorite time of the year. I love fall. I love rainy time. I like rain more than I like summertime. Honestly, if, I mean, if I could live somewhere that rained three days a week and it was just made sure it was sunny on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I couldn't be happier. I love the rain. It, it's whatever it is about that gloomy, dark, stormy. I, I just, it, I'm the happiest when it's like that. All right. If you're, if you were going to be stranded on an island and you knew it, what album or CD of music would you need to take with you? Boy. Um, it would have to be. Oh man, never mind Nirvana or uh, any Chris Cornell stuff. Probably Audio Slave if I had to really pin something down. I don't know, maybe Soundgarden. But between any of the Soundgarden Audio Slave stuff to Nirvana, I like it. I like all music, but at the end of the day, if I'm stuck on an island on my own. I'm going to need some grunge music to get me through it. There you go. <laughs> uh, this one could be tough for you from our earlier conversation, but what's your favorite place to eat? Oh, shit. Don't do that to me. Uh, you know what? Let's break this down. Um, so my favorite sushi restaurant is Tamari here in town. And I, I, I mean, like I know, I love to eat. It is the best sushi I've had in my entire life, anywhere I've ever been. Truly incredible that um, we're lucky enough to have a place that good here in Fresno. Um, Parma is an Italian restaurant literally next door, which is, I have to say, my favorite Italian restaurant. It's got the best steak. It's got amazing gnocchi, homemade pasta. Um, Elena, the owner in there, is just delightful. That's where, actually, I got engaged in there. Um, I can't believe he's not sponsoring you. Dude, well, I'm telling you what, I have brought more people into both these restaurants than you guys could imagine. If you guys ever came to California, that's where you... I'd be taking you. Actually, one of my really good friends, uh, Tyler Courtney, he is coming to Trophy Cup two days early. That way I can take him to both restaurants. There you go. <laughs> he's got that much faith in me that he's like, no, I'm, I, I scheduled to come out Tuesday. That way we got Tuesday night and Wednesday night to go to dinner. I'm like, okay, well, I'll take care of you. Um, we can make that those, happen. Those are, exactly. Those are my big two. And then Steakhouse would be Dominic's Steakhouse, which is in Phoenix, Arizona. If you guys are ever down there for the winter or anything like that, you got to go to Dominic's. It's Dominic's with a K, not just a C, C-K. Um, that's the best steakhouse meal I've ever had in my life. And uh, for Chinese food, there's a place literally next door to my mom's office, China Bistro. It's been in business since I was a baby. Uh, to this day, I've had Chinese food in three different countries, and nothing hits quite as good as the old China Bistro. There you go. You and I'll tell you what, if you guys ever run into my brother and you ask him his favorite Chinese food, he'll rant and rave even more than I will about China Bistro. <laughs> no, now you got a place to go, bud. That's right. That's my, right. My daughter just moved down to Phoenix, so. Oh, boy. you you got to go to Dominic's. I'm telling you right now, you will shit yourself. <laughs> Sounds good. What's, what's your favorite holiday? You know what? I, I go back and forth. I love Christmas. I, I mean, I think everybody loves Christmas. I just love Christmas because everybody gets together and it's, you know, amazing food and it's cold and usually rainy out here. But honestly, right, like from what was October 1st is on Saturday, October 1st to January 1st is my absolute favorite time of the year. So I, I couldn't really put one on it. I'm excited for Halloween. I'm ex- really excited for Thanksgiving. But I guess if I had to choose one and only, it would, it would have to be Christmas. Just, and as corny as it sounds, as, you know, completely, uh, I don't even know the word, as, as fake as it sounds, I love Christmas because I, lo- I love giving. And I'm not very good at giving gifts, but god dang, I, I love giving gifts. 
I love the whole idea of, you know, you're, you're taking time out of your day to find something specifically for somebody you care about. And I really enjoy that. I enjoy Thanksgiving because you don't have to worry about, you know, like, oh, my God, Tommy got me underwear again. Are you kidding me? Like, I know I've shit my pants five times this month, but, I mean, whatever, you know. So I, I, I love Thanksgiving because you, there's no expectations. But I'd say Christmas is probably my number one. <laughs> what app on your phone do you use the most? Uh, probably Instagram. Uh, Instagram is my number one. And it's so funny. Like I went from, you know, being a young kid, you got all the, uh, uh, Instagram models on your, you follow and everything like that. And then the older I get, I'm, I'm going through my Instagram and the only two things that I follow on my Instagram besides my close friends and family are property investing people that will tell you what you need to do to invest your money in property and how to do it and how to find rentals and watch pages that are either buying and selling watches or showing watches off. It's the only two things I even care about anymore. <laughs> so I'm an old man. I'm 25 years old, but I'm batting a thousand 25, with 50 yeah. year old plus hobbies. We were 25 once too. <laughs> yeah. Um, how many speeding tickets have you gotten? You know what? <laughs> Great story. I got pulled over leaving Cedar Lake one night. Remember when they used to do Cedar Lake on Friday, Saturday? Yep. And then on Monday, you would have the uh, the Brad Doty? Yep. I got pulled over with, driving with my mom in a rental car going 95 miles an hour in a 70. And I saw him in the middle of the, the freeway, and I looked down, and I'm like, oh, shit, I'm fucked. So I just pulled over right away. Got over before he ever even could get his lights on. He just kind of pulls up behind us, turns his lights on, and gets out. He goes, uh, sir, license registration, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I'm so sorry. He goes, you mind me asking what the hell you're doing going 95 miles an hour at 1 in the morning? I'm like, well, I'm actually going to uh, Ohio from Wisconsin. And I, I, I just, I guess we got to talking, and I, I don't know. And he goes, well, what's in Ohio? And I said, oh, there's a sprint car race. He goes, well, what was in Wisconsin? I said, oh, there's a sprint car race. He goes, Cedar Lake? I'm like, yeah, Cedar Lake. So he takes my information, doesn't say another word, goes back to his cop car. He's there for 15, 20 minutes. I'm like, dude, this guy's going to arrest me. Like, this is terrible. (laughs) So I'm thinking like, man, don't drop the soap. You know, don't do anything stupid in jail. Don't have any opinions. You know, I mean, just do whatever you got. Shut up, you can Exactly. I was thinking politic as much as I can with this whole program and uh, told my mom, you better bail me out. Well, he comes back and he has a written warning. He goes, look, you're going way too fast for me to let you off empty handed, but I'm going to give you a warning because I saw you ran fourth tonight and that's pretty damn good. So (laughs) next time I'm at the races, don't you forget me. I need a t-shirt. And that guy the next year came to Cedar Lake and I gave him a damn t-shirt. There you go. <laughs> that, that was the closest I ever got. And then one other time I got pulled over here going 100 miles an hour. And uh, the police chief at the time, he comes to the race all the time. I said, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I'm like, hey, you know what? Is there any way that we could just call Chief Dyer and, and make this go away? And he's like, you know Chief Dyer? I'm like, uh, I do. I do. I, I, yeah. He's a good friend of mine. He goes, oh, let's not even get him involved. Uh, you just keep her under keep her under 70. And let me go. So to this day, I've gotten those speeding tickets. <clears throat> I do have in Australia when I was racing down there. I have a lot of the speeding tickets that I never paid because they have a lot of those traffic you know deals that they just you're out in the middle of nowhere and they just take pictures of your oh, car yep. going way too fast. So I think I racked up like sixty seven hundred dollars in tickets there. That uh, <laughs> my car owner he, he he's like, dude, I'm not paying them. He goes, and you're not coming back for another year. So fuck it, I'm just gonna tell them that the car was stolen. And that's how they did it. They just played it off like. Yeah, there was an American in there, and we don't know who it was, and there's no way for us to tell, so, you know, we're not going to pay it. And they never did. And uh, there was a couple times we actually got in trouble because there you you pay for gas after you fill up. So we fill up and leave. And then my owner would get a call, and we'd be like 20 minutes down the road. Hey, you guys forget to pay gas? Oh, fuck. So we'd have to turn around and drive back and pay, and, you know, you get shitty looks or whatever. And like, I'm sorry. It's just different here. And so no speeding tickets for me, luckily. There you go. If uh, if you could own any car in the world and money was not an object, what kind of car would you want? Um, I, you know what? I, I'm going to make sure I say this 100% correct because it is the coolest freaking car I've ever seen. Uh, Total Wolf was driving it the other day, and I sh- literally shit my pants when I saw it. I was amazed. It's uh, Let's see here. 
It is a 1955 Mercedes Gullwing. They only sell for about $6.8 million, so um, I'm right now. So you're, so you're going to hold off for a little bit on that one, you're saying? I'm going to, I'm going to hold off for a few more months. Uh, I've got currently about $1,700 in my checking account, so uh, not off to the best start, but I'm thinking here once the economy turns around, it won't be long. There you go, there you go. Say, so being you've been going quite fast on the highway, what's the fastest you've ever gone and not actually got caught? You know what? Actually, 100 miles an hour is the fast. Oh, no! Actually, oh, my God, I hope my mom and dad don't listen to this. We took me... My brother and one of our best friends who races micro sprints out here, we call, my brother was going to race uh, the Arca show in Las Vegas. So we're like, all right, this is going to be fun. We're going to go down there. We're going to go down a day early and stuff. And it's like 9 o'clock in the morning. We're like, oh, you know what? Let's call Cody. So we call my, our buddy Cody and we go, hey, what are you doing? He's like, uh, just working. Hey, how about you call in sick for the rest of the day and go pack a bag and we'll go to Vegas. And he's like, What? I'm like, yeah, let's go to Vegas. So he's like, well, why? What's going on? I'm like, oh, Gio's racing the Arca deal. He goes, oh, shit. All right, let me call my wife. He calls his wife up. His wife's like, you're crazy for not going. You need to go. So he tells his uncle, he works for his uncle here in town. He goes, hey, I'm out of here. I got a case of the Mondays. I'm gone. So he meets us at noon, and we drive from Fresno there. I think it's it's usually a six-and-a-half-hour drive. I think we made it four hours and we got the car up to about 175 miles an hour and it probably could have kept climbing, but I was honestly afraid. I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to explain this to my mom and dad that I was egging everybody on to see how fast we could go. And uh, so I want to say it was like 170, 375 was the fastest we've ever been. I didn't think a car would go that fast. I figured it shut off, but you know, he had like that, you know, chip in it to make it run better or you know whatever those Audis have my brother has a badass little Audi and holy shit that thing hauled ass and we got to Vegas and we were gonna go to dinner and they stopped the freeway we're like the third row of cars that there's a blockade police blockade we're like what the hell's going on so I get out and go up there and I'm like guys what's going on I'm like oh yeah sorry you know freeway shut down for now Air Force One comes flying in right over over us we're waving to Trump as he's flying in and then he lands and they let us go. And we were the last people at the, I think we went to a place called Smith and Walensky's, another great steakhouse and uh, had an amazing meal. But yeah, that's the fastest I've ever been in any. Oh man. Oh, Dom, thanks. Thanks so much. Uh, I don't know. I think we covered a lot. Is there anything else you want to mention before we let you go? You know, I just, I want to thank you guys for, for, um, you know, having me on. I, I really had a, I know that this has been something we've been trying to work on and, you know, sorry, I've been so busy, but, uh, you know, I always have a blast doing shows like these and you guys were a pleasure. So thanks for having me on. And, uh, if you ever can't find anybody to do a show, don't forget to give me a ring and I'll talk for another hour and a half. I, I was just going to say, I think we could do this again. Cause I bet you got a couple of <laughs> stories we haven't heard yet too. Absolutely. I'll tell you what, you guys buy the beer, you'll get some off camera stuff. There we go. <laughs> we might be able to do that. If you make out to the Absolutely. Midwest or we'll have to come out there sometime. Oh, you know, well, if you come out here, I'll tell you where we're eating. That's for sure. That'll, that'll <laughs> work. We like food. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you guys so much. Hey, thank All you. Right, Take care. Co-op Energy, your tri-state supplier for all your energy needs. Tires for cars, trucks, and tractors, and fuel like farm fuel, gas, and propane to heat your house and all your livestock barns. Co-op Energy even supplies the propane for the propane pusher. Co-op Energy has several convenient stores in towns located near your local tracks. Stop in before the race to get your gas, snacks, and beer. If interested in doing business with CEC, give Randy a call, 712-400-8216. One more time, 712-400-8216. To set up an account, or you can visit our website at www.coopenergyco.com to find a location near your favorite track. Some of those locations are Wildcat Junction in Larchwood, Jackrabbit Junction in Sibley, in Worthington, the Interstate Sea Store, or the Blue Line Truck Stop. In Lakefield, it's Junction 86. And in Milford, Boji Junction. Stop by and see what they have for you.
Oh man, bud. <laughs> he didn't disappoint. Until... No, no, I knew it was good. And and then he said, if we run out of people, we can call him again. And I'm like, oh, that would be a lot of fun. I I think we could have 15 shows. I think we could start a series with Dom that, because we would never hear the same story. I I don't think so. But and tonight too, I think what he said is. Fiance was coming or something. He had like 45 minutes, but I think we might have went over that. So maybe she was running late or he was just nice enough to keep going for and, us. But. And, and I was trying to cut the question short and Tobes like, No, we got to oh, ask, ask this one. We got to ask this one because he could really have, and he did. He had great answers <laughs> for all of them. So, um, so hopefully, Dom, I'm sure you're not going to listen to it, but sorry we kept you so long. Oh, I think the people are going to love it. Yep. Um, we'll just – an absolute awesome show. So, uh, really, two of them tonight. Two of them tonight. Great night all the yeah. way around. Yeah, absolutely. We keep so, doing this, people might start liking us. Yeah, you know, it. it's it's kind of cool. Yeah, I'm enjoying it. <laughs> enjoying the heck out of it. I'm we were laughing. smiling. We were laughing the oh. whole night. <laughs> all right, that's a wrap for tonight. Till next week. Till next week. We'll see what we get then.